Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and I eat at Chipotle all the time. And I'm Jesse, and I make my wife kill all the spiders in our house. Eek! No shame! We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and guitars. We take just 30 minutes to chat about a theological topic and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. It's Fast God Stuff! Conrad! What? What are we talking about today? Well, today we're going over what's the deal with marriage? Two, three, four! What's the deal with marriage? So I'm married. You're married, Conrad. Are we talking about marriage today because we're experts or is there some other reason? Well, probably because everyone is terrible at marriage. (laughs) That's why we're going over it, including us. Right on. Okay, so most Christians have no clue what the purpose of marriage is. So they end up buying into what the world tells them what marriage is about. Being in love, finding happiness, finding purpose, which can all be summed up in one word, idolatry. So if you're single, dating, or married, there is something for everyone today because that's how important the idea of marriage is to God. So listen up. We got a little something for everybody. So... Yes? What is the deal with marriage, Conrad? Okay, so here at Fast God Stuff, what is our slogan? Love God, love others. (laughs) I didn't know a test was coming. (laughs) Well, that's all it is, right? Love God, love others, that's it. And the reason why we say that is because when Christ was asked, What is the greatest commandment? He replied with, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And he says, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the kicker. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So basically what Christ is saying is every single command, everything goes to our purpose, which is to love God and love others. Right. So you might be asking yourself, is it egotistical that God commands us to love him? No, because why? Because God is love. This is actually what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were doing before creation. Right. So God existed within love, within the Trinity, before creation. And that's what's beautiful about God is the only way love can be expressed is if it can be expressed outside of itself. Mm -hmm. And so God can be love because he's Trinitarian. Right. So God just wants us to do what he already does, which is to love. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And Jesse, if we don't want to love, what is the alternative? The opposite would be hate. Yeah. Can, can you imagine any scenario that would be good without love? No, none. And so that's that's the whole point is... If God is love and he commands us to love, there is no alternative. The only alternative is something bad. Right. And we understand that if we move away from love, we're actually moving away from God's character in and his essential being. Because right. as you've said, God is love. Right. So when you act without love, that's how you end up with this fallen, broken world. Right. Anything that is sinful is basically a non-love. It sounded like you were about to start writing a country song right there. Yeah, <laughs> I can. <laughs> you want me to? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Play something country. Ooh. 
Well, howdy. When I punch you in the face, that ain't love. When I kick you in the shins, that ain't love. When I stabbed you in the face, that ain't love. When I stole your tacos, when I put that dog poop on your car. That ain't love. <laughs> what is going Best on with this podcast? Ever. <laughs> CMAs, here we come. Wait, is that a thing? What's the Country Music Awards? Here uh, we come. Chris Tomlin, try to beat that. Chris Tomlin, reach out to us. Okay, so okay, so here's the big thing. God's love is primary, and God loves us. And so this is huge, and this is where a lot of Christians kind of go wrong. So If God loves us, that means that we have both value and purpose already inherent in us. Before we're married, before anything, we already have value and purpose because of God's love for us. Right on. So if God loves us already, what more do we need to give us value and purpose? Absolutely nothing. Right. So God is enough to make us 100% happy because we already have value and purpose. Right. In our sin, we actually don't find our 100% happiness in God. True. So we try to find all that stuff somewhere else, and that's what idolatry is. And here's the biggest mistake that Christians make when it comes to relationships. It's unhappy Christians trying to find their happiness in romantic relationships. Not in God, but replacing God with romantic relationships. So that's why you see all the, you know, a lot of kids you know, when they get into college and stuff— Their dream is to what? It's to get married, not to love God. Their dream isn't to fulfill their purpose. It's to get married to anybody, right? just to be married. So one of the biggest reasons that Christians get into relationship is because they're lonely. So if we're trying to talk about, like we're supposed to find 100% happiness in God, even if you're 95% happy with God, then that 5% is unhappy that still leaves room for 5% idolatry. So in other words, 5% idolatry is still 100% idolatry in a way. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, it is. It's still replacing God to some extent. Right. So if you want to know if you're spiritually mature enough to start dating, well, then just ask yourself, am I lonely? Because if you are, then you haven't found 100% happiness in God, and any relationship you get into will probably end up becoming an idol. But if you aren't lonely, then ask yourself, am I putting God first in my life? And I can show that by having a love for his word, by being in scripture daily. Right. When we find ourselves satisfied in God, not searching for something else outside of him to meet our basic needs, we know that we can then walk forward in his path in love. But until we're satisfied just in him, we're going to go trying to find empty calories elsewhere that aren't really going to fill us up. Correct. And then it doesn't just stop there. You can't just be 100% happy with God and to not turn it into idolatry. The person that you're looking to be dating has to be the same way or else you actually become a god for them. Right. You actually become an idol for them. So uh, the thing is, you have to already know that God already values you. Again, Ephesians 5.1 says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That's the extent of God's love for us. So you actually don't need to be happy. You don't need love from your spouse or your kids. What you need to do is Show your love for God by showing love, by being faithful to them, even if they're not in the mood to show you love or even if they're being jerks or whatever, because that's what that's what Christ would do. And the whole point is to be like Christ. What does Christ do? 
He loves God and he loves others. If you're single, if you're married, the whole purpose stays the same. And so why, why do you think Christians don't understand that marriage is about loving God and loving others? Uh, I think because marriage at the outset is complex. It's two people. It's complicated. It's emotions. It's all kinds of other things. And so we get distracted by that stuff. Exactly. It's distraction. And it's distraction from what our purpose really is. And the thing is, most Christians don't even know what our purpose is. They don't realize that our purpose just boils down to love God, love others. Right. They're always looking for, well, what is God's will? What is my calling? They're always looking to some external thing that God hasn't told me these things in his word somehow, and God's word isn't complete. Let me try to find these things from an external source outside of God's word. And when you don't find something in God's word, what are you going to replace God's word with? Okay, so what happens a lot, I see, is a worldly perspective. Right, and a lot of times you see Christians posting all these slogans about marriage, and they are full of idolatry because— if it's not lo- about loving God and loving others, primarily about loving God, then it actually is idolatry. I just kind of did a quick web search on quotes oh, on successful marriage. This is going to be good. Yeah. And so, okay, this go. is just the first few things that I found. All right, hit me. Okay. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times, <laughs> always with the same person. I can't I even get halfway through that. Sorry. Yeah. So we're replacing godly love, <laughs> a love for God, with a romantic love. Here's another one. Uh, Nietzsche said this. It is not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages. Was he even married? I don't think so. Is there like Mrs. Nietzsche? But he did go crazy. Yeah, he was definitely a crazy dude at the end of his life. But here we're replacing God with an earthly friendship. Here's another one. Julia Child said this. The secret of a happy marriage is finding the right person. Here's the thing. You know they're right if you love to be with them all the time. <laughs> is that even possible? Uh, so we're replacing God with someone that you like being with all the time. So, okay, here's one from Benjamin Franklin. Marriage is the most natural state of man, the state in which you will find solid happiness. Oh, listen, that dude <laughs> could rock and invent a real set of bifocals or like a pot belly stove, yeah. but that is not good advice. No, no. It's replacing happiness found in God with finding happiness in a fallen sinner. Right. What? What? <laughs> how can you replace God with a fallen sinner? Right. It's like here are ways to wreck your life and your marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you listen to these worldly quotes, it's about finding true happiness in a person. So they elevate marriage as a means to find true happiness. And of course, a fallen sinner can't provide you with true happiness. It's a completely unrealistic expectation. So when a spouse, of course, doesn't live up to the impossible task of bringing true happiness, people think that's when it's time to get a divorce and try to find true happiness in another marriage. Idolatry can only end in unhappiness because true happiness can only be found in Christ. So what's cool about the Bible is that it's really clear on what we're supposed to be doing as people and through a marriage. So Jesse, what is the very first command that God gives us? Be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so that is the very first command. Right. So basically what you have at the very beginning of creation with mankind is you have two people that love God and love each other. Mm-hmm. What happens when they have another kid? Get busy. <laughs> <laughs> now there's three people that that love God and right. love others. Yep. Then you have four people. And then before you know it, the whole earth would be full of people that love God and love others. Okay, so Jesse, what is the very last command 
that Christ gave before he ascended into heaven. Go make disciples. Of all nations, right? Right. Yep. Everybody. Fill the earth, essentially. What about also, very much like it, Acts 1.8 says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the very first command that God gave mankind and the very last command that Christ gave when he was ascending into heaven are essentially the same thing, which is to fill the earth with worshipers of God. So this is marriage. Marriage is a partnership in ministry. It's an outward focused ministry where you and your spouse fill the earth with worshipers of God. So procreation through marriage is simply one way that we can increase worshipers of God. The other ways is evangelism, discipleship, and personal spiritual growth. So without marriage, you can still fulfill your purpose and live a fulfilled life. Right. And if you're married, the hope is that you can do ministry better because you can support one another. So actually, when I do marriage counseling, especially for guys, what I usually do for marriage is I kind of give an analogy. And I use football because guys love football. So marriage is like a game of football where you and your spouse are on the same team. You're like the quarterback and the running back. And your objective is to score points. And the thing is, in God's book, you score points by loving God and loving others. And that's how you gain positive yardage. And then the defense is basically anything that prevents you from getting positive yardage, which is the flesh, Satan, and the world. So because Christians don't understand the purpose of marriage, they actually don't know that they're on the field in the game and that they're supposed to score points. So what ends up happening is they think the purpose of marriage is to be in love. So that's the equivalent of them being in the stands, holding hands and eating nachos, or sitting on the sidelines playing cards. Or just throwing the football back and forth to each other. Exactly. So if you actually know you're supposed to be on the field to score points by loving God and loving others, a married couple actually faces the same defenders. Your lack of self-control with finances hurts you both, and their constant lack of thankfulness in the form of complaining hurts you both. And if you know that there's a situation that your spouse, when they fall into that place, that they're more tempted to act outside of God's will then as the defense, so to speak, as the enemy of the world, the flesh is Mm -hmm. coming, you can step in to help provide a way to protect and to nurture and to grow love for God and love for others. Exactly. Okay, so let's get to an application. Jesse, what is the first indicator in someone's life that they're putting God first? That would be being in the scriptures daily. Right. So by putting God first in your life, this helps prevent you from idolatry, which is the main stumbling block in relationships. Right. So if you're open to dating, there's three things you need to do to put Christ first. Number one, you have to put your relationship with Christ first. And we do this again by putting him first by doing our daily devotions. The number two thing is you have to put the example of Christ first, which is working on the fruit of the spirit. And that way, his character becomes your character. And then lastly, you have to put happiness in Christ first. If you find 100% happiness in Christ, then therefore you won't be lonely. And then your goal won't be to be in a romantic relationship, but to do what your purpose is, which is to love God and love others. Now, the second application is if you found someone that you think you might want to date, and you have to basically ask yourself the same questions, but ask it of them. Are they putting their relationship with Christ first? And they can prove that by doing daily devotions. And then next, are they putting the example of Christ first, which is huge because the characteristics of a good spouse basically are the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But imagine if they weren't working on those things, if they weren't working on love and patience and self-control, is that the type of person that you want to be dating? And then lastly, are they putting their happiness in Christ first? Because if they're not, then you could end up being an idol to them. Right. And before we get to married couples, there's a couple things to note before we actually get to that application. 
and because it, it comes up all the time. Um, a lot of couples think that the, all the other couples at church have these great marriages, but really everyone's are basically as bad as everyone else's. And the bottom reason why your marriage isn't as, isn't great is because of sin. It's not because of lack of communication or lack of date nights. It's a lack of Christ. Right on. So imagine if both of you knew God's word deeply. Imagine if you were overflowing with the fruit of the spirit, with love, joy, patience, gentleness, self, and self-control. Think about how glorifying to God your marriage would be. Right. So knowing that is the lack of Christ in marriages, that is the root problem. Whenever I do marriage counseling, it always starts with trying to get Christ into the marriage by putting Christ first. All the other things we end up working on are essentially practical forms of Christ-likeness. So again, three things. The first one, putting your relationship with Christ first by doing their daily devotions. And once both spouses are doing their daily devotions, uh, they should also be doing prayer as a couple. Right. The next is to put the example of Christ first. So both of them have to identify the problem situations in the marriage and actually identify which fruit of the spirit that one of them is lacking that is compounding the problem. And another thing I always suggest is to be a part of a church small group. And because you, couples have to know that they're not alone, that they, they need fellowship, they need to be able to share, and they need to be able to pray for others. And then finally, knowing that you are partners in ministry, you have to make sure that you prioritize ministry in a biblical way, first to each other, then to your kids, your family, then the church, then the needy, then neighbors in that order. Right on. So here's the 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. Marriage, like the rest of life, is about loving God and others. It starts with you putting God first in your own life by putting his word first, which is the absolute foundation of trying to be more like Christ, who is a perfect model of what a spouse should be. The more you and your spouse are like Christ, the more love you'll have, the more glorifying to God you'll be, and the more you can fulfill your purpose, which is to love God and others more. So, Jesse, what do you think? What's the deal with marriage? I think a lot of times people ask the question, well, what's the purpose of marriage in our culture? Or what's the purpose of marriage in society? And what I want to do is ask a bigger question. Yeah. Because the question I want to answer is, I want to blow this up. The question I want to ask is, what is the place of marriage in the universe? (laughs) I want to go that big. And here's the reason why. The Bible is so good because it tells us the truth about reality. And the reality is that the universe was created primarily with this marital romance in mind. Mm -hmm. So the heavens and the earth were created for the marriage of Adam and Eve. And the new heavens and the new earth are going to be created for the marriage of Christ and his bride, which is the church. Right. So there's this whole cosmic reality that exists as a venue for this eternal honeymoon between the perfect husband, Mm -hmm. Jesus, and his perfect bride, the church. And they're going to be in marital bliss forever. And we'll be a part of that if we're part of the church. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So here's the thing. Marriage is not the main thing. It's a metaphor that points us to the main thing. Mm -hmm. So in actuality, marriage is this weird mystery. It's a reflection of something greater that's in our reality. Human marriage has always been something that God intended to serve as this prophetic whisper of the eternal marriage. Mm -hmm. And for me, marriage is like a shadow in that way. Right. So nobody goes to the Eiffel Tower just to look at its shadow and appreciate that. You go to see the sculpture, this yeah, amazing thing that's three-dimensional. Yeah. Right. And I so what, we're saying. what happens is we get distracted and think marriage is the best thing possible. Mm-hmm. And actually the truth is 
it's just a shadow of yeah. reflection. We're like, oh, this shadow was amazing. Right, exactly. We focus so much on our marriages, on on loving each other, mm-hmm. on passing the ball back and forth. All the while, we're missing that we're standing in the shadow and we're mm-hmm. not looking to God in his church that's actually casting the shadow. So basically, there's very few realities in our life that bear such a sacred meaning and deserve this kind of special consideration. That's why we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. But marriage is one of those things because the highest ideal of love is Christ's love for his bride, the church. Right. And he created marriage as a signpost, as something that points and says, this is like what my love for the church is like. Exactly. And that's why it says in Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Basically, it's saying Christ set the example for how we should live, how our marriage should be. It should be reflective of what Christ's marriage is to the church. Right on. So this scripture is showing us actually that marriage is not for our happiness, but it's for our holiness and God's glory. Right. From the very beginning, marriage is God's doing. If you look in Genesis right at the beginning of the Bible, it's by God's design and he even gives away the first bride. So all the, everything about marriage is something that God has, has set up and it's designed by God to display his glory in a way that no other event or institution does. And that's not to say your marriage can't bring you a type of happiness, but just not true happiness. The happiness you might find in a marriage could better be defined as joy from a thankfulness to God for a blessing of a special form of love. Exactly. In other words, it's not as if God is doing some kind of cosmic e-harmony thing Mm -hmm. and he just wants to match Christians together because he thinks that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what would would make us happy. Right, exactly. Is finding idols for each other. Right. There's something way more better in marriage and what marriage means. So the way I think for us to most clearly see this is to connect two passages of scripture, one from Genesis right in the beginning and one from later in the Bible in the New Testament. And so in Genesis 2.24, this is what we read. And if you've been to like any Christian wedding or almost any wedding in a church, you've no doubt heard this little phrase. And it goes like this. Therefore... A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. So what, that's kind of freaky. Like, what kind of relationship is this if you're reading that? If you're just right. not used to those words, you should say, is this about romance? Is this about companionship? Is this about cultural convenience? And that mystery of what that holding fast is like, what it really means, luckily, Paul translates that. He interprets it for us in his letter to the church in Ephesus. So in Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul quotes that verse. He says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then he gives it this all-important interpretation. Paul says, This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. There it is, right there. Yeah, so in other words, marriage is patterned after Christ's covenant commitment to his church. Mm -hmm. It's the promise of marriage that he gives to his people. And that's why we get married. So it's not about trying to find love or idolatry or even some kind of false sense of fleeting happiness. It's about God saying, I've created this to display how wonderful and loving, committed and full of promise I am to my people. And that's why there's not going to be this sample earthly human marriage in heaven, because in heaven, there will be a real heavenly spiritual marriage of perfect love where he will be our God and we will be his people. Right. Which shows that if the best thing that we could do in life is get married. First of all, I think if, if God's called you to singleness, how that could feel like you're being shackled because everybody makes it sound like the best thing possible in life is to get married. Mm-hmm. But in heaven, there is no marriage, at least in the way that we know it. And so that shows that the highest ideal is not to find somebody 
and live happily ever after, per se. The highest ideal is to find God himself. Exactly. To rest in him, to be saved by him, and to live happily ever after. Exactly. And eternity married to Christ. Right. Jesus knew that he was going to have to pay for his bride with his own blood. And he called this relationship a new covenant. That's why I said, he says in the New Testament, this cup is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. And so that's what Paul's referring to when he says marriage is a great mystery. Christ obtained the church by his blood and he formed a new covenant with her, this unbreakable marriage. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. So we start to see marriage. The deal with it is that it's something even far beyond just a casual relationship, so to speak. It's right. a signpost. Yeah. And that's why if you're single or not in a relationship, don't get so hung up on an earthly marriage because Amen. that's not the point. That I like using your example. Don't worry about the shadow of the Eiffel Tower, how cool it is and that you're missing out. No, go for the actual Eiffel Tower itself. Right. Go for actual what is, what is marriage. Marriage is loving God and loving the church like how God loves the church. So ask yourself, do you love the church? Do you treat the church as Christ loves the church? Stop stealing my application, Conrad. (laughs) (laughs) But that's exactly how I was thinking we put some shoe leather on this. Okay. The first thing was to to look, like literally, actually, look at the church, your church, and don't see it as an organization or an institution, but see it as a collective person whom Jesus loves desperately. Right. Because sometimes the church annoys us Mm -hmm. or we're likely to complain about it. Yeah. But we need to start looking at it as this is the bride, the actual bride whom Christ died for and loves and serves still in heaven. Part of his ministry is serving the churches through prayer and intercession. So would you say that we should treat the church as if we were married to it because that's how Christ treats the church? Absolutely. We should love the church and strive to love the church and see it in those eyes because that's how our savior sees it. Mm -hmm. That's how valuable it is to him. And if we are patterning our lives after Christ, then we ought to see it as equally valuable. Right. I would say the best way to get into a relationship with Jesus is by getting involved in the life of your church. And the best thing that we can do to take our feet out of the clouds and put them on firm ground with this is to treat the church like you would treat your spouse or loved one. Mm -hmm. If they have a need, you're quick because you want to help that person. So go this week. Don't, Don't even wait any longer. Now, if you can, email or reach out to, go talk to one of your pastors or your elders and ask, what is a small thing that the church needs right now? Who's well, yeah. somebody I can pray for? Mm-hmm. Do you need somebody to help clean up after Sunday school or empty a trash can right. or pick somebody up so they can come and be part of the Lord's Day worship? Mm-hmm. Go and do something small in real love and service. So we should show that we have genuine love for the church by saying, I'm willing to step up and even do some of the small things. Yeah. So here's the 15 second Fast God Stuff summary. The ultimate thing that we can say about marriage is that it exists for God's glory. The highest meaning and the most ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Christ and his church on display. That's why marriage exists. If you're married, that is why you're married. And if you hope to be married, that should be your dream. (sighs) What key are we in? (laughs) I'm in E. What are you doing? I'm in G. That's why everything sounds weird. This was not a musical marriage. (laughs) I'm very unhappy. What a divorce. All right, Conrad, take us home. What's the deal with marriage? So just as a movie preview is a small glimpse on how awesome the actual movie is going to be, the joy we receive within an earthly marriage to a fallen sinner is just a small preview of the soul-satisfying joy we will have in the spiritual marriage of the church with the perfect and all-powerful Christ. 
So while on this earth, Christ gave us an example of real love because marriage is ministry. If Christ loves and ministers to the church, we should do likewise. So if we're single, dating, or married, we should do the same. Our very real spiritual marriage and earthly marriage should both have the same thing in mind. Love God, love others. That's it. Well, that's all the time we have today for Holy Matrimony. Please make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Fast God Stuff is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. And please check out fastgodstuff.com for all kinds of content that will help you avoid visiting France. Well, until next time, love God, love others, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> Two, three, four, thanks for listening to Fast Cut Stuff. It's a podcast marriage made in heaven. The wedding costs way too much. But we chicken and fish. No one did a chicken dance. But the dancing was so good all night. You know, Give us five toasts on iTunes. Ding! <laughs> <laughs>